Welcome back to Jesus Speaks Farsi, Persecution in Iran. Chai Time is the concluding episode of this persecution series where myself, Jen and Darylin will simply be sitting down to a cup of chai and having a chat about everything we've had the privilege of hearing. So if you haven't listened to previous episodes, you need to go back and hear about Farshid's five years in Evan prison, how he saw God's faithfulness in the hardship. Listen to Ladan share her journey of taking a taxi to jail and what about Anahita's harrowing escape from Iran. I've shared these testimonies and many like it over the years and seen thousands encouraged and inspired. But one of the questions I continually ask myself is what to do with these stories as a Western Christian? Why does Jesus let his followers go to prison and suffer? I've been really excited about this particular episode ever since we first started talking about doing a podcast because I believe these are really important conversations that don't always have definitive answers. So if you've asked yourself similar questions, grab a glass of chai or a mug of coffee, maybe a couple of biscuits, and join us for a thought-provoking conversation. Please know that this episode is simply three friends having a conversation about persecution and suffering. We are not Bible scholars or theologians, and we are not representing any denomination or agenda. Our thoughts are our own. With this being the first chai time, Jen and Darling got a little excited and they got all fancy and made some Persian tea with a bunch of different spices. It was a black tea with some cardamom, saffron and a cinnamon stick. We were told by Iranian friends that this was a very good tea. Khelikhub is very good in Farsi and it was also really healthy for us. So we either brewed it wrong or I just wasn't feeling it, but I'd definitely pick an English cup of tea with milk and two sugars over it any day of the week. So if there's any Iranians listening who disagree with me, you're telling me we brewed it wrong, then I would love you to prove me wrong and invite me over for a cup that's been brewed correctly and I will definitely give a second opinion. But for now, let's get into the conversation. Jen, before we started uh, recording, you told us a funny story about life on the farm. So just share that with our listeners. Oh, gosh. So just, you just never know what's going to happen out there on the farm. So we're taking a walk, just an afternoon walk. We take our dog with us. We have a great Pyrenees who's a super good, super good guard dog. She takes off running into the woods. We're thinking she's just chasing a rabbit like normal. Five minutes later, she comes back. She has literally got an entire possum in her mouth and is bringing it back. And it's like, hey, mom, I took care of this threat for you. <laughs> You're welcome. Don't You're welcome. don't you farm people eat possums, though? Did you have it for dinner? <laughs> yeah. You farm people. Us farm people do not. Some farm folk may, but we do not. But she did a good job taking, taking care of our chickens and protecting them. So we're thankful for her. But you just never know. You never know what's going to happen out there. I've been reading All Creatures Great and Small by James Harriet lately, and it's just convinced me that I would never want to maybe live on a farm. Reading it all. Isn't that the show? That, oh, it's a, the, t- it's a yeah. British veterinarian. That British these... people normally do really good shows. Oh, they do. Yeah. I'm obsessed with them. But Have you no, watched they... the show as well? Oh, at least three times. Um, yes, but the books, I'm reading the books right now that the show is based on. Don't you know that's a book? It's a British veterinarian. You should know. No, I didn't even know who C.S. Lewis was until I became a Christian. Well, James so. Harriet's not. I don't know that he was a believer. I wasn't a very but... good reader before I became a Christian no. either. Hey, um, so, wow. What, <laughs> what a um, 
a season we've been in speaking with Farshid, Ladan, Anahita, and we talk about life on a farm. We talk about some of our Christianity, all creatures great and small, but these three people went to prison for their faith. And for us in the West, whether it's America, England, or another country, that is so foreign to us. You guys spent more time with Anahita and Ladan, but I got to spend um, the best part of a day with Farshid. We had a meal together and it was really nice. And there didn't seem, I'm sure there were levels of regret, but like he was convinced that what he did, like at one point he talked about he was able to lead his mom and dad to Christ. And he just said, if I went to prison for five years just for them, it was worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm thinking five years of his life in prison, 10 years without seeing his own children. Mm -hmm. For him to just say it was worth it. Like I look up back on my life and I've made certain decisions where I'm like, I think God is telling me to do this and I go ahead and do it. And then I look back on my life and I'm like, mm, was that really the right decision? I mean, there was some good there, there was some bad. Was it really God? I'm not sure. He is... 100% convinced. Um, I think he's such a genuinely wonderful man, but he do, he didn't seem to at least waver in the thought of it was worth it. Mm -hmm. This was what God was calling me to. And he didn't seem bitter about it. He's just like, this This was what I did. Sure. Well, and I think that for me, as I heard that and thought, I don't, I really don't know if in that same situation, if I could if I could make that same choice. And and I don't know, I think in, in in thinking about that, I have to recognize that I'm not Farshid and he's not me and God doesn't call us all to the same things. Yeah. And so it may be that for whatever reason, you know, God asked that of Farshid when he might not have asked that of one of us in the same exact situation. There's no way to know what, you know, I mean, obviously the Lord is the only one that, you know, can yeah. can make that clear. and and. If, seems that Farshid, you know, feels like for him, that's what God asked of him. Um, and I think that kind of makes me anxious because I think, well, what if I didn't make that same choice? Does that make me less of a Christian? Um, and I think I always, I just come back to, well, either I would get into that same situation and God would give me the grace to make that choice, or he wouldn't ask that of me for whatever reason. It would be a you know a different thing he would ask me. I do think the be. circumstance that they're in, or the history they've had, or the pressure that they were under shapes their decision. I mean, I know I've really just been in my bubble my whole life, and just recently sort of learning more about other perspectives and people from you know. A history of trauma and whatnot that those experiences shape you to make decisions and it's like it's really hard to know what you would do if you've not been under that under that denial of mm -hmm. the ability to worship like sure. you, you've not you can't do these things this is not something we've experienced mm -hmm. so it's it feels impossible to be able to say he's crazy for this mm -hmm. or how amazing or I would never do or I would do when you, you don't have that, you're not in that setting. And mm 
mm-hmm. and have experienced the things he has for so many years. Yeah. Yeah, I um I think it's important for us to to talk about like there's a big difference between persecution and suffering and persecution isn't the ultimate suffering like a lot of times when we talk about persecution in the western world we talk about and those around the world suffering for their faith um they're undergoing persecution but suffering is an equal playing field for me like whether you're in you know a billion dollar house in america or you're in solitary confinement, suffering can look like all different things, whether that's an illness, whether that's uh, relationship struggles. And so one thing I'm aware of when I share these stories and I speak to people in Iran, in America, in England, there's, there's this kind of false guilt that rises up in people that oh, we're just not as good of Christians as them. Or we just don't understand jesus or we don't understand christianity the way the way they do and i think they understand jesus on a level that we don't but i think we can also understand jesus on a level they don't like you said jennifer we've got different experiences different um upbringings and and they shape us and i just i don't like it when people listen to stories like ladan or or anahita's and they say, oh, I, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not as strong in my faith as those people. And what I loved, one, one of the things I loved about Anahita's journey was when she was um, driving across, well, she walked across the mountains and then she was driving in that truck. And she said, you know, one minute I was so excited and I was believing Jesus and everything was going to be fine. And, and then the next minute I was terrified and I thought mm-hmm. we'd made the wrong decision. And I love that because I see so many other people like that. Mm-hmm. Myself, sometimes in my own faith journey, I'm like, oh, this is going to work out. No, it's not. And they're just like me and you. Mm-hmm. Like, these people are just like me and you, but in a completely different culture. Mm-hmm. And they have a different calling on their life. If I went to prison in America, it would probably be because I'd done something wrong, unless I was falsely accused. And so um, how do you think about that in terms of a suffering in, in America as opposed to any realm for a persecuted Christian? How do we think about suffering? Like what? I mean, how, how do you deal with it? Like, because I, I mean, I guess I, I speak to a lot of people that just go, oh, we, we just don't understand. Sure. We'll, we'll just, we'll never sure. be as strong in our faith as them. Do you feel I, guilt or anything? Oh, I feel guilt. I do. I agree. I do agree that um, they experience God in a different way yeah. than, than maybe someone who, who hasn't suffered. And I, I think Jennifer asked before we even started recording, just why suffering? Like, why does God use suffering to reveal himself and um there's a book i read years ago called severe mercy have you ever heard of that it's about a couple who become christians and um are friends with c.s lewis and anyway but in the book the man's wife becomes really a stronger christian or she becomes a very strong christian and he resents her for that 
Um, and anyway, he she ends up dying, and he sees that as a severe mercy in his life, and then but goes on to become um, just a really strong believer, and it changes his relationship with with God. And but I think about that a lot, like how he would not have experienced God in the way that he did, mm-hmm. um, which is the point of the book, um, had he not experienced that really, really hard thing. Um, so in some ways, there's part of me that, I mean, I don't necessarily envy Ladon or Anahita or Farshid, but I do I do believe that they have a depth of understanding of God's grace and God's goodness that I don't know that I've, I've reached. Um, and I don't know if that's, maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but... Yeah. Do you think we can, like... Without the suffering? Yeah, Yeah. it's hard. I don't... I mean, I think I've spent my whole life trying to avoid suffering. Yeah. And, like, trying to avoid it for my children. I mean, even, you know, when the animals are suffering, I'm like, we got to wrap that up. Like, put them down. Put them down. Do something. Because I I can handle everything around the suffering. But that moment is just like, get get away, get away. You can stop. And I think the few times when I have experienced suffering, not physical suffering, but, like... Um, when when I have experienced suffering is when I've seen him the greatest. And I think uh, Farshid talks about that. And he said, if you want to taste a different taste of grace, travel to a dark place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to do right. that. Right. It's not like, let me see what I can find that will make <laughs> me suffer. Maybe I'll find God there. Sure. But it's... It, it's interesting and it's something I'm still thinking about and learning about like what why is he using like you said why is he using mm-hmm. suffering in this way in in this nation or in isn't it is it more in certain places or is this how is this his way to speak to them I don't know there's a, a verse in in the scriptures I, I can't remember the uh, the book or the numbers but it says uh, if you want to share in my glory, you must also share in my suffering. And um, I think like, because I, I kind of, ever since I became a Christian, I've had this hunger on, on my journey and it's it's never, it's never really gone cold. It's always stayed hot that like, I want to know God more. Like, I just want, I really want to know who Jesus is. And am I... I guess my question is like, am I limited because I'm not going to be persecuted for my faith? If I want to know Jesus, should I go and look for suffering? I mean, that's what mm. like those old monks and people used to do doing penance or flogging themselves. And you look at that and you go, oh, that's that, that's definitely not the suffering sure. that Jesus wants mm-hmm. us to have. Sure. But like, I live in a pretty nice house with a nice neighborhood. My kids do well in school and um, I have hardships in my life. Um but, you know, do you kind of, if you want to know Jesus more, do you have to experience stuff like this? I don't think you have to seek it. I think you have to listen. Yeah. So for like us going through foster care and adoption, like that was the most suffering we've done in our life. And it wasn't like, hey, I think I'm going to find some way that's going to make my life hard. And everybody's looking at us like, why are you doing this? This is just hard. Mm-hmm. I've never been closer to God than in that. So it wasn't like I was seeking suffering or even anticipating suffering. Mm-hmm. But he spoke, we listened, and we went through it. Thought it was going to kill all of us. Like, literally, we were just not going to make it through. On the flip side, you can see, though, like, how he used that to draw us closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And you can see how in an instance like that where you weren't looking for suffering, but exactly. when the, it was sort of um, maybe on the horizon, you didn't choose to walk away like from that thing that was maybe going to be hard. Because yeah. there is a choice. you know. I mean, you could have easily walked away and said, this is too hard. We're not going to do that. But you decided to walk okay. into it. Yeah, we walked in. I won't say that I had full faith the whole time. Sometimes I'm like, this is too much. This is too much. Yeah. And, you know, those little reminders like, nope, still got a plan. There's little out-of-character things that happen. You're like, and looking back, I should have listened to that. He was talking to me here, 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 and here, saying, mm-hmm. you're going to suffer through this, but you're also going to get through it. Yeah, yeah. So I, of all times in my life, that, that bit of suffering was when... Yeah. I was thinking about, I mean, for us, <clears throat> since we're sharing personal things, um, <laughs> when we just went there, <laughs> when we, in between our children, had two miscarriages in a row, um, I remember the second one just uh, really shutting down with with the Lord and just kind of put my hand up like, no, thanks. Um, and I'll, and that's after a, a lifetime of, I mean, walking relatively close with them. And then at that point, just deciding, I think this is too tough what you're asking of me or of us. And I think I'm not done, but I think I need a break. <laughs> um, and I can remember real specifically sitting in church and, and not singing and then hearing just, I mean, really just in my spirit, just sort of the Lord say, you know, um, I want, I'm, I'm with you in this and I want to comfort you in this. And, and it was something that just came out of nowhere, you know, one of those moments where you're like, that's not from me. And, but it may, it makes you think of when Farshid was talking about, um, being, you know, in, in prison and just, um, how people have said, you know, that he, this really stuck out to me, how he was faithful and how he said, no, it was the mm-hmm. Lord who was faithful to me. Mm-hmm. And I think like in my personal situation in that experience that we had with miscarriages that I, mean, I was not being faithful, um, I was being faithless. And yet God continued to be faith, yeah. faithful to me and to pursue me and to be near me and with me in a hard thing. And I think that was that was what stood out so much to me with Farshid when he shared that. Because there was so much humility in that, that when he, you know, people were always telling me how faithful I was. It's like, but no, um, God was faithful to me. And um, that just, I mean, personally, I've experienced it on a, in a different way, in a different yeah. story than he has, but it, the same type of faithfulness. Well, I think, I think about Anahita when she is, getting interrogated and she out of nowhere stands up and says, you know, at the end we'll have victory. Mm-hmm. And outside of this, I've, I've talked with her and she's like, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I didn't say that. Like it was not me, but she was faithful and opened her mouth. Like, yeah. you know, just because you, you feel it doesn't mean you have to say the words, but yeah. Yeah. that was not something that was out of character for her. Mm-hmm. But it, it, to me, it says out of character moments where you see him and, he, and mm. you know, that was bold. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the beautiful lessons I've learned. Um, you know, getting involved with the church in Iran is the question, what does faithful obedience look like for you in the season that you're in? 
So, you know, for Farshid and Anahita and Ladan, I mean, Ladan, faithful obedience was to get a taxi to prison. But for some people, um, they left Iran Mm -hmm. and was that faithful obedience. And it's so hard as Christians, um, well, all humanity in general does this, but as Christians to compare who serves God the best or who's Mm -hmm. doing the most for Jesus. And it's like, you can only do what God asks you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other thought that that goes through my mind is you both were were sharing a bit of your own stories and we talk about persecution and suffering is you know you have these hardships in life everybody has them everybody suffers on different levels but some people just grow bitter like not everybody comes out of prison in Iran and is as happy as Farshid. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them don't look back and say, this is what Jesus called me to. Some people come out bitter and, you know, some people have miscarriages and they stay angry at God or they don't ever mm-hmm. want to try again. And it's really, really sad and painful. And um, how, how, um, how do we get to a place where we allow, because even, even Farshid, one thing he said when he came out of prison, he felt lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, like he felt lonely out of prison and he started to ask questions. He said it was almost harder after prison. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think about so many people that will be listening who are, you know, that they're interested in the persecution stories, but when they're suffering, when they're going through hard times, when they feel all alone, um, when they're scared and they don't know what's going to happen, how do you just go to church and hope Jesus speaks to you at church? Do you go for a walk and hope the Holy Spirit says something? Like, at what part do we have to go? God is in control. I don't understand it. It's a mystery. I'm just going to get on with it. Um, because sometimes it doesn't feel like healing comes. Ultimately, we were we we say in throughout this series, we say persecution is never the end of the story. <laughs> and before we started recording, Jennifer said, "Well, but is it the end of the story?" And me and Darlene quickly we gave the good Christian answer of, <laughs> yeah, "Well, even, even if they die, they go to heaven, don't they?" So it's not the end of the story because we always win. But but that was something Anahita, she knew deep down in her soul. Um, we win. We're children of God. We have the victory. Whether in this life or the next life, we have the victory. And I think it's easier for an Iranian Christian to know that because when they're following Jesus, prison or or even death is is a, something that they really think about. I've I've never really thought about becoming a Christian if I was going to die for it. Yeah. I think it's that, and again, it, it, without being in that, it's hard to know, but it's that denial of religious freedom that sometimes, you know, if you tell your kids they can't have something, guess what? They want it real bad, mm-hmm. even if it was something they didn't want to start with. And I think God can use that there. I, I mean, it's the fastest growing church in the world. Why? when they legally cannot have it, how is it growing so much? If we have every Bible, we have every sermon, we have every opportunity, 
Mm-hmm. Why, why there in that way? It does feel paradoxical. I mean, to think Barshid, and not that we don't appreciate, people don't appreciate the Bible and mm-hmm. having that book, but to go around and like beg people for 50 cents here and a dollar mm-hmm. here for a Bible. Like my kids would want an Xbox game. Yeah. I've got three Bibles just sitting right here, right? just sitting. And you think... I mean, I mean, just, to be set, like the word treasure, I think he used yeah. so many times. It's not. I don't think <clears> it's that we don't treasure it, but it's like we treasure a lot of other things more. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But it's not. It's it's easily accessible. You know. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. when there's a like in I don't know. I almost think about this like during the depression. Mm-hmm. You know, some things were like gold now that we just take for granted, and people coming out of the depression were like. Hoarding, you know, like keeping things because it's, they were so precious to them. And it's like, because they didn't have it, they didn't have access to things. It changes you. I think it's that, but I think it's also having other things stripped away that are, you know, distractions. I feel like in America, I'm so distracted by all the things like the comforts. Um, I mean, I'd rather watch Netflix most of the time than sit and read my devotion. You know, I mean, there's just, we're just distracted. And I think when you're in situations like, you know, in Iran or in prison or in China, I mean, just the distractions are removed. And I think that can clarify what is important and what matters. How, so, how do we like, as Western Christians, how do we determine what is a blessing from God? Because I believe the Lord wants us to live in blessing. I mean, the Bible talks all the way through about prosperity. Jesus talks about giving people the abundant life. How, how do we say, okay, this is the abundant life that God promised me versus this is a distraction that's taking me away mm-hmm. from God? Because I'm sure, like, if those Iranian Christians... Um, were able to have an overground church, they would want it. Mm-hmm. They would want to go and worship mm-hmm. together. They would want some of the things we have in the West. I became a Christian in America. I was discipled in America. I love the church in America, but I see we have some issues, <laughs> uh, whether it's comforts, whether it's we need this, we need that, we don't really need it. Um, and then there's the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel gets a bit of a bad name, but at the same time, you can't take it out of the Bible. Like Jesus says, I want you to have an abundant life. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants to bless us. But so many times we see, I don't want to say we have too much abundance because I don't think you can receive too much blessing from God. I think we get, um, we confuse these comforts or these extras with a blessing from God. And um, and when you're faced with prison or when you're faced with, if I get caught with these Bibles, I might get arrested. You, you, ha- you, you get to ask yourself those like really deep, important questions on a daily basis. Whereas we may think about them once every while when someone gives us a good sermon about it. So how do we, how do we as Western Christians live a life with that in front of us all the time? Is it just a case of pray and read your Bible? I mean, that just seems such an easy answer. Um, or is it like we have to learn something from these Christians that are going through this? Not just hear their stories, but hear them teach us and 
speak into our lives. I mean, I would love everybody to be able to sit down with Farshid for a whole afternoon and have dinner and just sit with him, but they can't. So my, my hope and my prayer is even through this podcast that as we listen to these um, stories, we don't feel guilty for the blessings of living in America or England or any other Western countries, but what we can learn and take something special for them, special from them that will like make us live a life where every day we go, you know, what's the most valuable thing today? Mm-hmm. Um, Farshid made a point of make just reiterating, never take for granted what you have here. You know, never take for granted that you can worship loudly, you know, that you're not in hiding. And I think it's, I don't have the answer, but in my mind, it's don't, you know, try not to take what we have for granted and then just listen. Just listen to what he wants for our life. And um, it's way easier said than done. But I, I like to plan things. I like to make, you know, have it all set out. And sometimes it's like, you just have to listen. That's one thing that we try, we try to pray with our kids every night. And one of the things we find ourselves praying a lot is how can we, or, or asking the Lord to help us listen to his spirit or hear his, you know, hear his spirit, um, hear from him and obey. And those two things I think maybe are the, the key. Cause I mean, I can't drum up any of this in, on my own. I mean, I really, I can't, I can't sort it all out on my own or have the right mm-hmm. <clears throat> feelings or the right perspective without the, the spirit. Um, helping me do that. And then, like you said, like following through and being obedient um, to that. I do think have it, just hearing these perspectives challenges us in a way. I, I didn't even realize this sort of thing happened. Like I've literally been in my bubble my whole entire life. So to hear when I started um, interacting with these Iranian Christians, you know, my initial worldly view was like why is this happening why would you do yeah. this to yourself yeah like like you, you could have an easy comfortable life if you just mm-hmm. kind of went under the radar and you did this like why but that's my perspective i'm not in you know i'm not in their shoes yeah i was um i was thinking we we ask ourselves so many questions when we hear these stories would i do this would i be faithful but but I think I think the bigger question is um, how how are they so in love with Jesus that it's everything? How how does this not just we don't focus on Farshid's story or we don't focus on Anahita's journey across the the border uh, into Turkey, but who are they doing it for? How does this bring us back to Jesus? Um, we keep saying Jesus is alive in Iran. Um, how, how how do their stories make me fall more in love with Jesus? Do I believe that the same Jesus that they're following is the same Jesus I'm following? Or is it a different Jesus in Iran? I mean, we obviously know it's not a different Jesus in Iran. But somehow it feels like it. I mean, if if we're being completely honest, when, when I hear the stories coming out of Iran, like I hear of miracles, I hear of people 
um, going to sleep as Muslims and waking up as Christians. Like I, I know people that that's happened to. And I know Jesus can do that in the West. And I, I've seen really cool things, but it almost feels like a different Jesus sometimes. And so I, I hope that our listeners will just hear these stories and be inspired to know who God is more, to know who Jesus is. The goodness of God, like you might like going to prison and coming away talking about how good God is. Yeah. Like they, they talk about how good he is. And um, I mean, I, I've been having some really interesting conversations with, with my wife recently. Um, some of the sufferings that were experienced in our family and the hardships were experienced. She just, and it's not that she's angry or bitter. She just asks that question, you know, why does this happen to God's people? Mm. You know, why, why does it happen to God's people? Why, why does, and I think it's a, I think it's a good question. I, I don't know if we're ever going to find out the answer. We like, we like teaching in the West. We like pastors that can teach us and tell us the answer. And um, I think my time spent with Farshid is that um, we had a separate conversation about something different actually that day. And we just had this overwhelming peace that none of us knew the answer, but God was good in the midst of it. Yeah, there's mystery. Really sad. Yeah, the mystery. I think there's some yeah to be able to rest in the mystery that. Mm. Yeah, I don't um, think that we're meant to know. No, everything. That's no. real hard for me. <laughs> I like to yeah. have all the answers. But we, we celebrate, like the churches I go to, we, the leaders of the church are pretty much the teachers. Honestly, it's the people with the teaching gift, the people who teach from the front, uh, you know, on the pulpit, and which is really important. Teaching is such an important part of Christianity, to know your Bible, to understand the word, to be able to discern what it's saying. It's so important. I thank God for great teachers. But it's one little aspect of your Christian walk because so much of it is a mystery. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't teach somebody to suffer well. Mm -hmm. You can't teach somebody to be faithful in the midst of persecution. And so I just think we need to bring that balance where we're like, okay, this is just a mystery. I don't know. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to trust Jesus in the midst of it. And um, I've, I've learned that from, from the people in Iran, that they're just like, he's real and he's worth it. And I don't understand it fully. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why the Ayatollah is in charge and I don't understand why the police want to arrest us. We, like Anahita, we're children of God. Why mm -hmm. would you arrest us? You know, <laughs> they're the good guys. They're trying to love people and help people. Um, but it is what it is. And, um, and they're okay with it. They're just like, oh, yeah, this is it. Let's keep going. Let's keep giving out the Bibles. Let's keep... Because they see people's lives being transformed. Yeah. I think that's something I keep being reminded of is they're watching people that maybe before, well, before they met Jesus, they were, I don't know, like beating their wives and had, having more than one wife and, you know, living in ways that were 
pretty pretty rough. And then they watch them, see them meet Jesus, and they are transformed. And you can't, I mean, you really can't argue with that when you see that sort of thing happening right before you, and you know that that's not that's not humanly possible. That's something that has to be, um, you know, the Lord. I think that that helps that helps a little bit. I think with with faith, for sure. When you when you're watching it, you're watching that transformation happen in front of you or in your own life. You you know, experiencing that yourself. We've yeah. heard some of those stories. So. Yeah, it really does inspire your faith. Hearing these stories, but living in them would would strengthen it even more and um it's actually funny my um my sister back in the uk she uh one of her friends has just recently come to faith and she's kind of been around church and in and out of it um thinking about following jesus but not really sure and just recently she came she gave her heart to jesus and like all those questions just clicked and she's like i get it now mm. i get it like Jesus is real, he's forgiven my sins and she's really happy and she just raised her hands in worship the other day and she's like, I felt so free and, Mm. you know, not all the problems have gone away, she's still got, but my sister is like, this is what it's all about, seeing somebody experience it Mm. for the first time and um, I think because of of the way we do church, like I've got my kids in church, right, and I don't want them to have like, a prodigal moment where they go away and come back to the faith. I just want them to be steady Christians, do the right things and stay out of trouble. And I I think that's what God wants for us as well. But when you see a radical change in somebody, like when it's somebody you know personal, it just, it it brings so much life to your faith. And I think, you know, you mentioned it before, Jennifer, when Farshid said, if you want to see the light shine the brightest, you've got to go to the darkest places. And so you're not going to see a transformed life if you're always around Christians and you're never getting out there with people who aren't Christians. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think for Iranian Christians, when they become Christians, they just start evangelizing straight away because everybody they know is not a Christian, pretty much. They're, they're from an Islamic background. Whereas for a lot of Christians in, in America... It's a little bit different in England, but but in America, a lot of Christians are just simply surrounded by Christians all the time. And so we have to intentionally, unless we work with non-Christians, intentionally put ourselves around non-Christians. And this feels uncomfortable a lot. So but I think I think that I think you're right, like seeing that transform life is is where all this momentum comes because they just see it over and over again. Well, and I think a lot of times here, there's a transformation when somebody becomes a Christian, but it's not that, like you said, not that radical of a change. Like people can live their life in a comfortable way. They can be good people that, you know, so it's like you're going to see a transformation, but it's not going to be from, you know, a, like like you were talking about, Darlin, where they were their their life and the way that they are is going to be completely different. Like you could be in a room of people and you may not know who's the Christians and who. It's not going to stand out to you. It's not yeah. going to be super obvious. So it's like you you may not find that much. Oh, what's the word? 
satisfaction from like a transformation. I mean, it is, but it's not like you're it's saying. Like it's not, it's not like somebody's left Islam and is following Jesus. Right, right. Whereas it's somebody who was maybe a nice person, yeah, you know, and exactly. they became a Christian. And now it makes sense. The theology, yeah. the theological questions, I believe it, I understand it. But they, unless it's like people addicted to drugs or sure. something like you know, you, yeah. you hear those stories. Right. But I, I think also another thing that I love about at the Iranian churches, they share stories. Like whenever I'm around them or with them, they're telling me stories mm -hmm. of what's happened or someone sharing their testimony. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't have to go to seminary and um, be able to present a three-point sermon to be able to be on stage and share a story. Um, and I, I think that's one thing we, we should do is is give people the ability to share their stories. I guess I've also seen some like really weird things when people get up and start sharing a testimony. You're like, what? You know, that was a bit weird. But um, just share. Yeah, just just like a coming to faith story. I, I, we we could do because like when I travel around America, and I go from church to church, I really do hear some great stories of what the church is doing, the way the church is reaching out. And um, sometimes people say to me, oh, uh, God is doing such an amazing work in Iran. I wish he would do it here. <laughs> and I think, well, I've just told you a bunch of stories from Iran of what God is doing. And that's why you're excited about Iran. But I think if we told more good stories about what God is doing in America, we'd be more excited about God in America. But I, I do think it's that that we can take it for granted. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's they're so excited about it because they don't take it for granted. Like we we have these stories, but it's like, mm -hmm. and you know, the cost isn't as great. Exactly. But it is, isn't it? Because Jesus doesn't ask. I mean, he asks us to count the cost as well. Sure. Like, I know it's not physically the same because we're free in this country, but in the depth of your soul, Jesus is asking us to completely surrender everything. Mm -hmm. So um, if I am living a completely surrendered life to Jesus, and, I'm, you know, Farshid and Ladan and Anahita, they, they're not perfect. They get things wrong and they mess up just like us. But if I'm surrendered to Christ, then... I'd like to think being in that situation, you would give me the grace to say, oh yeah, you're already surrendered. Mm. Um, so I think it's, I have, uh, so I became a Christian in America when I was 19. And so I was around that youth group scene a little bit, but we were college age, so we were kind of out of it. But I think a lot of people in America have experienced that youth group kind of stage of Christianity where it's like, almost they get guilted into surrendering everything. Like you have mm -hmm. to surrender everything to Christ and they do it out of this, oh my God, I better surrender everything. Whereas these people, they fall in love with Jesus. And so the foundation of their faith is in a God who they love, not in a God who they should follow. Mm -hmm. You know, like um, if you've grown up in church, you're like, I know Jesus is the way. And I know the Bible is right and I should really follow him. And so you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that's that's a lot different than going, My God, Jesus is Jesus is the Messiah. Mm 
mm-hmm. you know it's it's not muhammad it's it's jesus it's this god of love it's this god of grace and it's like wow and um and like going back to what you said jennifer we can't compare our experiences with that and we're not any less of a christian because we didn't have that we've been called to this country mm-hmm. to these people and we're, we're supposed to be faithfully obedient in the season we have but what we can do is learn and grow from these stories and go wow jesus is really alive jesus is really worth giving everything um and that's what i want people to know that's that's why i want people to join us in these stories and um just think about our three lives Mm. how on earth did we get connected with the iranian church yeah sure (laughs) you know when it was sort of kind of presented to me it was like oh this doesn't seem quite like something i would do and now i'm all in (laughs) all in but it's like you and it feels like a i mean privilege i hesitate to use that word these days but it feels like an honor it is an honor to be able to be engaged with with people like Ladon and Anahita and Farshid and to be able to be privy to their stories and their lives in some way. And I do wonder, I'm like, what is the Lord about? Like, what is he, why? Why did he choose yeah. us yeah. to be part of this thing that he's doing? Um, and so there's part of me that feels this responsibility, one, to share it, but also personally, um, just to take another look at like, wait, or just to be reminded, not even be reminded, just to change what, what am I, what is, what is I'm trying to say? I guess not to take for granted that, um, that God is, is the same God that is in Iran. He's the same God here, um, in this country, in my home, in my heart. And, um, and then to really what to think about like, what does that mean? What does it mean that, that Jesus who's at work there and in, in Anahita and Ladan and Farshid and so many others' lives, he's at work in my life too. And what does that, what does that mean? What should that mean? Yeah. And um, so it's, it is. Um, and we're all invited into that story. Yeah. Like yeah. the three of us by chance, luck, fate, whatever you want to call it, God's calling, we've got involved more than what most people are going to be involved with, with the Iranian church. And I'm really, really grateful for it but everybody's invited to the big story Mm. that God is writing. Mm. And it's just as special in a small town in America, in a big city in America, in England, or as it is in Iran. Like Mm -hmm. when you really say yes to the invitation from Jesus to be a part of this story, it's really amazing Mm -hmm. with sufferings and hardships thrown in there but but like you both said if you um continue to be aware of god in your life in the suffering it you almost come out stronger and more in love with him so we're coming to the end of our time um, we've been having this conversation for what feels like a few months now, and you're just hearing, you know, 50 minutes to an hour of it. Our hope for you as listeners is that you would carry on this conversation. And um, like we've already said, we don't have answers. Um, 
Maybe your pastor and your preachers at church don't have answers, but it's okay to journey with God through the mystery, to know him more, to fall in love with him more, to know that the same Jesus that is alive in Iran is with you, the same Jesus that was with Farshid in solitary, or with Ladan on her way to prison in a taxi, or with Anahita when she was super excited one minute and scared the next minute. That same Jesus is alive in you. To be aware of that and to live each day um, saying yes to Jesus. And so we thank you for joining us. We hope that you will be with us again when we do another series. Jen, Darylin, this was really fun. I've had a great time uh, putting this together. And uh, love and blessings to all our listeners. Recently, I've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount with my kids, Eliana's 10 and Judah's 8, just a few verses each morning before they go off to school. After reading through these passages the other day with them, I thought there was no better way to end our first series than closing with some of these famous words from Jesus. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company, my prophets and witnesses, have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Jesus Speaks Farsi is produced by Elam Ministries, a nonprofit charity whose mission is to strengthen and expand the church in the Iran region and beyond. For more information and ways to partner, visit elam.com forward slash partner. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. We'd love for more people to learn about what Jesus is doing amongst Persian speakers today. Mm-hmm.